All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is the Deep Press Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast, another episode. I am Jesse, and on this podcast, we're going to recap the Cincinnati Bengals week one. Uh, I, I just I won't call it an embarrassment. I'll just call it just a straight up shitty game against the Cleveland Browns. Once again, the Cincinnati Bengals, for some reason, cannot defeat the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. So we'll recap that game. Me and Tommy are back. Tommy, first of all, how you doing, my man? Jesse, I'm doing good. Other than on, I'm a lot better than I was on Sunday. Sunday was a tough day. Like I ugly, felt ugly to yeah, watch. Yeah, like honestly, I was more disappointed. Like obviously, I was pissed off during the game, but I was just disappointed that we just came out flat in the first game of the season. I just and I you know what I should have. I'm so stupid for picking against picking for the Bengals. Honestly, <laughs> I think you were right. I was like, man, Tommy was so right. God forbid that I thought that this Bengals team was going to score over 20 points against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. And Joe Burrow and company has never won in Cleveland as Joe Burrow being the starting quarterback of the Bengals. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, and even I mean, even when I picked the Browns to win. Yeah, I was not expecting us to look that flat. I certainly yeah. wasn't expecting Burrow to have the least passing yards of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL besides Aaron Rodgers, who played four snaps. And it was so I, I did not picture it going like that. Mm. And it was pretty much not fun to watch from a Bengals fan perspective the whole time. No, no, it's just uh, I. We, you know what? I am not ducking anybody. Even when the Bengals lose, I will still do an instant reaction podcast. I will still do a recap podcast. I am not running away. I already take my licks from these Cleveland Browns fans on social media already. And you know what? I shook their hands. and said, good game. We'll see you guys in week 18. I'm over it now. Yep. So the Browns are now 5-1 against the Bengals when facing off against Joe Burr and company. 3-0 in Cleveland. And not a whole lot of good that went on this game, obviously. So I'll do a box score recap, unfortunately, and then we'll give out our positives. There, there were positives in this game and negatives. And also a player of the game for the Bengals, which people are saying, really? Yeah, there's like a couple of players that can say they're player of the games for Cincinnati. And then we'll look ahead to Baltimore on Sunday in that match. Here's the box score recap. Second quarter. The Browns' new kicker, Dustin Hopkins, who they traded. I think he came from the L.A. Chargers, and they traded a seven-round pick for him. And I guess the Browns got their kicker. He provided the first points of the game, a 42-yard field goal. They made it 3-0 Cleveland. And then Deshaun Watson, the asshole, had a 13-yard touchdown run to make it 10-0 Cleveland. And then the third quarter, the Bengals finally got on the board. Evan McPherson, 42-yard field goal. They made it 10-3. Unfortunately, McPherson did miss a 51-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. And then Hopkins had a 34-yard field goal. That made it 13-3 Cleveland. And then in the fourth quarter, he had another one that made it 16-3. And then Deshaun Watson found Harrison Bryant for a three-yard touchdown reception. And then Watson ran it in for a two-point conversion to make it 24-3. Like you said, Tommy, Joe Burr, 14 for 31, 82 passing yards, a career low. He was sacked twice. He had a QBR of 20.4. It just gives me any Dalton vibes when any Dalton has a shitty game. <laughs> Joe Mixon had 13 carries for 56 yards. I thought Mixon had a really good game. He didn't really get enough touches. 4.3 average per rush. He had a long of 22. That was a nice run. Jamar Chase had five catches for 39 yards. Irv Smith Jr. in his debut had three catches for 17 yards. Tyler Boyd only had two catches for 10 yards. And then T. Higgins, yikes, zero catches, zero yards, and eight targets. On the defensive side, I thought the Bengals, Lou Anarumo, I thought they did a great job. They obviously got tired later in the game because, I mean, they were out in the field for a very long time. So Jermaine Pratt. 11 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble. Nick Scott, the safety in his Bengals debut, had a great game, 11 tackles. Dak 
Dax Hill had an interception. And then B.J. Hill and Trey Henderson each had a sack. And then Brad Robbins, in his NFL debut as the punter, this man had 10 punts, (laughs) 40.9 yards average. He had one touchback. He had two punts inside a 20-yard line and a long of 54. So it wasn't the greatest debut for Robbins, but welcome to the NFL type of game from him. Anything else before we dive into these positive and negatives in the game? A few things. So, I mean, I won't spend much time on on Burrow's stat line, but honestly, I'm shocked that he didn't end up with an interception at any point during that because it was just the normal pinpoint accuracy, the touch that he has. I mean, the weather was a big um reason for that and i know he was struggling on figuring out if he wanted the glove or if the glove was helping and it was just not a great game for him but somehow he ended up with no picks which is awesome um the same thing you briefly touched on earlier i thought mixon honestly had a good game i saw some bursts from him that i haven't seen in the last two seasons but even so it we still only gave him the ball 13 times and we only ran the ball 20 times the entire game. I know we got down a little bit, but we were never like down by 30 where we needed to throw every play. And I just feel like a successful team needs to be able to run the ball when the situation calls for it. And when you can't get anything going in the past game, you're really struggling to burrow, struggling to grip the ball. It, It feels like that's the, that's the time where you need to be able to lean back on your run game and just trust the offensive linemen that you're paying all this money to and bringing in new guys. Um, Mixon is a former pro bowler. It's like, this seems this, that would have been the day and the situation where you need to start running the ball more and be able to lean back on that. And we only ran the ball as a team 20 times, which just shouldn't, shouldn't, it is not enough. And so if we're going to, I just think that's something we need to figure it out. T. Higgins, eight targets and no catches is a real bummer. And he almost had some really awesome catches. And he did. He was, he was covered very well all game, and Burrow couldn't quite place it anywhere he wanted. Um, but overall, a um, lot of lot of shine on the defense, I'll say. Nick Scott, I know you mentioned 11 tackles. I think he was sixth in the entire NFL in tackles among secondary players so like not linebackers so that was pretty solid jermaine pratt 11 tackles one sack two tackles for lost and another quarterback hit very solid dax hill six tackles two tackles for loss and a pass defense um or defended brad robbins <laughs> i mean he had the most punts of anybody in the nfl he's the only <laughs> one that hit 10 punts and <laughs> The weather sucked, the conditions were bad, and it's a very small sample size. It's just one game. But he was 25th out of 26 in the entire league for average yards per punt, about 40.9, which um, he did get two inside the 20, but it's just uh, (laughs) nothing was going well. And then the Browns, you know, were running all day, and we talked about um, one of the keys of the game being controlling the tempo and – I mean, Deshaun Watson was not slicing and dicing us. You know, he wasn't he wasn't tearing us up. Nick Chubb and that defense really won them the game. And so, I don't know. I mean, we still had trouble stopping the run. At, it was mostly Nick Chubb, but they ran a little bit by committee and had 40 carries, which is how a super rainy game should look. They had double the carries we had. They got 206 rushing yards at 5.2 yards per carry and a touchdown mm-hmm. around. We we knew going in if we weren't going to be able to stop the run or slow them down, they were going to have control and do whatever they wanted, and that's exactly what they did. Miles Garrett, we limited to only one sack, but he still had four quarterback hits, and Zadarius Smith had zero sacks but also had four quarterback hits. So really not, no, not a lot of great things to highlight from our offensive standpoint defense i felt like played pretty well for the most part but definitely need to figure out how we can stop the run and get limit the quarterback sacks because 
from just Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, they had eight quarterback hits. Yeah, eight quarterback hits is no bueno. And I don't like seeing Joe Burr on the ground a lot. And I'm going to point out my first negative. From the get-go, in the first snap of the game, Irv Smith, he missed a block. And the team was lined up in shotgun formation. And Burr got rocked as soon as he released the ball out of his hands. And I just knew, Tommy, I was like, oh, boy, the Browns pass rush is going to be a problem on this Sunday afternoon. And it was. Like, as soon as I saw that replay, I'm like, god damn it. Yeah. And you know what? Irv missed that block. But last week in that preview podcast, I said the Browns pass rush has always been a problem for the Bengals, and it it ring its ugly head on Sunday. So that just didn't. As soon as that happened, I'm like, that was an omen. Thinking, yep, it's gonna be a long day, and unfortunately, it was. And the second negative I have is no offensive rhythm at all. It was just three and outs, all agora, which seemed it was happening all game. Anytime the Bengals got in decent field position was on a couple of bad punts by Cleveland, and then Dax Hill's interception that went 20 yards. That's pretty much it. And they didn't really took took advantage of those decent field position. The offense was just, it was just ugly. Ugly, ugly. Under 200 total yards of offense all game. And then the running game. Like you said, I, I don't understand why they didn't use Mixon. I thought going into this game, and I had that feeling, and I told you on the podcast, it had the feeling of a Joe Mixon game. And yeah. in this game, he showed flashes of himself from 2021, where Mixon made the Pro Bowl. And I don't know, I didn't understand why they didn't continue to feed him the ball. And I thought the play calling between Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, it was not good enough. Okay, I'm just gonna. I, I just put it that nicely. I could say it was trash, but it was not good enough. It's not good enough, and I don't understand why they just kept throwing the football, knowing that Joe was off rhythm. He is still coming back from. I think he's still not 100 from his calf injury, but he's good enough to play. And I just wish that this was a game where the Bengals should have just ran the football and they didn't, and it was very upsetting. And then. Speaking of Joe's rust, you can say the rain in Cleveland, him not getting reps in camp because of his calf injury. All of that is true, but he just looked off. And he looked very flustered. And usually, Joe is very low-key. He's Joe Cool, as they call him. But there was a couple of moments when they showed a camera on him. He was frustrated. And you could probably say because of the glove and the rain and all that stuff, but I think he was just frustrated because he wasn't in rhythm and nothing, his receivers weren't getting separation, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you remember this play he had where he missed T. Higgins on a touchdown. And it was a play where he was going to, I think it was a screen play to Jamar Chase. He faked it, and here comes the Browns pass rush. He got out of it. And he realized, oh, shit, T's open. And he just, like, overthrew him. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what is going on? That was not no weather thing. That was just Joe saying, oh, shit, T's open. Because the Browns DBs were amazing on Sunday. So, for a brief moment, Joe was like, oh, my God, T's open. And he just, like, overthrew him because he was so shocked that he was open. And I just knew I was like, damn, nobody <laughs> – no one on this team on offense is having a good game other than Joe Mixon. And Burrow was pressured 38.3% of his dropbacks on Sunday. Fifth highest total since the start of 2021. The most was against the 49ers in 2021, where he was pressured 47.5%. And his third highest was against the same Cleveland Browns at 40.5% last season in the second meeting in Cincinnati. I I think I would have took in the Burr last year, the opener against the Steelers, because even though he had a shitty first half, he bounced back and had a great second half. This game, he was just bad from the beginning. And then special teams was very whack. And I, like you said, Robbins, 
10 punts. He was battling the weather elements. I'll give him that. But even when the rain stopped, he had some punts where I'm like, what what, what, what the hell was that? But I'm just going to give him credit. I'm just going to give him grace. Okay? It's only one game. And then remember Charlie Jones' punt return where he caught it at the 10-yard line? And he kept going to the right, sprinting only five yards. And there's like 10 Browns after him. And he had like a loss of three yards. And I'm like, Charlie Jones, where are you going, my guy? The fourth round pick out of Purdue who is scheduled to be our punt returner. I didn't get that. He just kept sprinting five yards. And I'm like, what are you doing? So that was that was terrible. And overall, this game was a dud. And uh, yeah. That's all I got from the negative side. If you have any more negative output to put in this game, please, let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree that it was a dud. It's kind of just like wash your hands of it and figure out how to move on to the Ravens next week. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the main negatives I put, felt like we couldn't stop the run all day. Um, so Nick Chubb and whoever else decided to run was kind of just doing whatever they wanted. It felt like we let the elements get the best of us, especially on offense. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it's very real when like Burrow can't grip the ball as well. And it's like slippery and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, both teams are playing in the same rain. And so you have to figure out a way to get over that because the other team is figuring out a way to do it. And if you're not, you're just going to get left behind, which is exactly what happened. The other thing is like, I don't know if it's that we can't, I don't know if it's that we just choose not to, but we just don't rely on the run. Even when the situation calls for it, like I mentioned earlier, this is the perfect, this is the ideal time where you would rely on the run. You exactly. you know your quarterback is not having a great day in general. There's no spark offensively. The run game actually did not look near as bad as it had the past two years, in my opinion. I felt like we have only had a couple games last year that looked the way that we were running the ball yesterday, which was not bad at all. And it was probably the lone bright spot was that it felt like we were running the ball decently well against a really solid defense. And so I'm a little bummed that we didn't adjust our play calling, adjust the offense at all to try to get Mixon and Evans and all of them a little more rushing attempts because it felt like that would have been the perfect time for it. So that was just a bummer. Honestly, we just didn't look prepared. I don't want to flame Zach Taylor or Callahan or whoever, but and I, I know it's it's difficult when Burrow's been out for a, a little while dealing with the calf stuff, but it just felt we, we did not look prepared. We did not show up to play football on offense on Sunday. And so that was just a negative was just it looked we looked very, very unprepared for the situation we were going into. And the the punting, I mean, we we're punting all day. It was three and out after three and out, which it whatever whatever like it, it happened we you move on but we couldn't even get because of the weather conditions we just couldn't even get deep punts so even when we were punting they were still getting pretty solid field position even though there weren't any like turnovers it just felt like we were couldn't even you know pin them back deep and make it difficult where they have to go 85 yards to get in the end zone or anything like that um Last two negatives. We have to play the Ravens after this, which I'm not excited about. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about looking ahead to Baltimore, but Baltimore's linebackers had a clinic against the Texans. And I know it's the Texans, grain of salt, whatever, but we'll get into that. And then the last negative I have is that I'm a little worried that every team now is going to be able to look at the blueprint of what the Browns do to us every time and figure out how to do that. The Browns seem to get pressure on us without blitzing, which not every, not a, not a ton of teams in the NFL have the talent in the secondary and the defensive line 
to only rush like four or five guys and still get a lot of pressure. The Browns are one of those teams, which I think is how they kill us a lot of times is because they can get pressure on us with just rushing their defensive linemen. They only rush four or five. Sometimes they get creative with it, but they really don't do a lot of heavy blitzes. When people do zero blitzes and things of that sort, Burrow knows where to go. He knows like how to stay cool. Can't zero him. But when it's, when it's like this, where they're only rushing four or five and still the entire secondary is out guarding people, it makes it so much more difficult. And so the teams, I mean, we have to play the 49ers. They're going to do the same shit. I'm already worried about that game because of this. Um, I, I mean, Philly can do it. I don't, we don't play them this year, but the, there are other teams that's just like, whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs, there are a lot of teams that we would potentially see in the playoffs that have the ability to do that. And it's, it feels like there's a very easy blueprint to rattle burrow and get us off of our offensive spark based on what the Browns do. So that's my last negative overall, not a fun one to watch as a Bengals fan. I'm sure it gave the Browns immense pleasure to do this to us again and i will get into the positives but um just looked lackluster honestly yeah i to your last negative the blue uh, like team's going to figure out the Bengals blueprint etc that's where if you if you know that the passing game is not going to do anything that's why you need to establish the running game. I just don't understand why Zach didn't do that. Totally like, agree. If you knew your quarterback was uncomfortable in the pocket from the get-go, you knew that hit he took. Yes, it was a missed block, but I just I just knew. I was like, okay, you got to at least run the football because they had success. And I know. And like even you said, we weren't down by like 40 points. It was 10 nothing, Right. 10-3. It was still pretty much a ball game thanks to the Bengals' defense. Yep. I just don't understand why they didn't try to make adjustments. You know, Lou Anarumo, he's like one of the greatest defensive coordinators in the NFL when it comes to creating second-half adjustments. Yeah. I knew in this game for the offense, I'm like, I I don't see a second-half adjustments. I don't see it because I just felt like they were so intimidated by the Browns' defense. And credit to the Browns' defense. Defensive coordinator, the new coordinator, Jim Schwartz, had one great game plan. Miles Garrens, Darius Smith, great games. The DBs, all around great game. Holy hell, yeah. please do some adjustments on offense. And, right. I mean, that's that's the other thing, too, is, like, if you were just looking at the box score, for example, on – you know, Lou, Lou always does a really awesome job of adjusting defensively at halftime, and – the Browns scored more points in the second half than they did in the first half. I'm pretty confident about that. I think it was 10 and then maybe like 14 in the second half. But yeah. I don't blame Lewis at all for that. Our offense, I know you said this before, but it was three and out after three and out. And the defense, rightfully so, got tired because they were out there literally all day. And they just they would get like a 90-second break while our offense would go three and out and then they're back out there. So it's just like, how are they expected to stop people back right. and back to back when they have no time to even rest? And so that's right. harder to rush the quarterback. It just, it all fizzles down from there. So, I, and, and that also helps with the, the running game helps with that too, is because it makes the drives take a little bit longer where at the very least we're giving our time a little or defense a little more time to rest, but we didn't even give that to them. So just, yeah, not great. Yeah, exactly. And I've noticed in these six meetings with the Browns, it's so important for this Bengals team. And I talked about this in the Instant Reaction podcast on Sunday. It's so important that the Bengals get up to a lead against the Browns because whenever Cleveland gets up, it's I just feel like the game is going to be very difficult for the Bengals to to come back because they got that running game. And their defense is so good against us. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. The win we had last year in Cincinnati 
we got up to a lead, and Cleveland wasn't able to catch up with us. And the five wins they've had against us, they've always got up to a lead, and we can't catch up with them, period. And it just felt like as soon as Deshaun Watson ran it in for that touchdown, I know it was 10 nothing, but it just it felt like we were down by 21 points. It really did. And I was like, here we go again. I've seen this one before in the meetings. Uh, so congrats to the yeah, so congrats to the Cleveland Browns on their Super Bowl win. It's like their Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals. This Browns team is so talented on paper. This team can honestly, they can win 10 or 11 games, but for whatever reason, they can play well against us, but against other teams, they're just very other teams in the NFL, they're so average. It's really funny, isn't it? Like I I was talking to someone, one of my friend's dads is a Browns fan. He texted me before and after the game. And I was like, honestly, if you guys could play the Bengals all year, you'd probably go 15 and two. (laughs) But for whatever reason, they'll beat us twice a year, but then they'll only get four other wins the entire rest of the year. I'm like, I don't think I quite understand how this doesn't translate to other teams unless other teams just have better offensive lines. And so then they have to blitz more with more people and they can't just rush with four or five, which is what they do to us and have success with. That's my guess, honestly, is just that with us, they get they can get away with the secondary locking up and the pass rushers getting home with only four or five of them, whereas opposed to other teams that actually have offensive lines that are capable of blocking people. Mm-hmm. better than ours which is probably most teams yeah. it is probably a lot more difficult because they have to scheme differently defensively but you're right they have a lot of good pieces on paper and it was a bad bad weather day but Deshaun might be a little bit it he'll definitely be better than he was last year it looks like yeah I, I said that too before the season and then I said that during the podcast for yeah. the season preview I, I, I think Deshaun Watson will be better this year and it doesn't make sense it really doesn't I think the Browns can really be a contender in this division but you just can't trust them against other teams when they play the Bengals oh surely you can <laughs> trust them you really can't and then if I was a Browns fan I would be I'll be honestly be like so annoyed it's like we can play a our A-plus game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I feel like the Browns do play well against the Bengals because there's a lot of chattering between the Bengals and Browns players. I mean, you heard Jamar Chase before the before the game. He called them the elves. That's so personal. <laughs> and after the game, Chase wasn't yeah. backing down in the comments. He's like, we lost to a bunch of damn elves. Fuck yeah, we did. <laughs> and one of the reporters asked, asked Jamar, he's like, do you regret that? No. <laughs> yeah. So, they, those teams don't like each other. So I feel like there's, there's more of a rivalry between the Bengals and Browns. And it's like, it's very personal. That's where I get. So I can see why from the Browns point of view, they get up the Bengals like big time because they just want to beat them because the Bengals are one of the top teams in NFL. Yeah. And this is the last thing that I'll say in the negative column then I promise we can talk about some good stuff but oh absolutely absolutely um that's another reason and I know we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about our toughest stretch of the year I am now I'm trying not to think too far ahead and get too anxious about things that are very far because we don't know what it'll look like but I'm now even more scared that they're our week 18 matchup because if we need to beat them to get into the playoffs or to win the division, for example, like if, if seeding is really important, I, I really don't want to play them because they seem to have our number for some reason. I don't want them to be the ones that keep us out of the playoffs if it comes down to it. Hell no. Hell no. I don't want that. At least it's at home. <laughs> I hope that that week, week 18 game, I hope the Bengals are – at least have double-digit wins by then, and we're resting our starters, and we already have the number one seed locked up. That's <laughs> that's my dream scenario, Dad. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, okay, 
So let's go to positives now. Yes, people, there was positives in this game. And I think we already talked about it. The defense, they played outstanding for three quarters. And like we both said, it's obvious they got gassed in the last quarter because they've been on the field all fucking long because the damn offense couldn't move the damn sticks. And DJ Turner, the Bengals' second-round pick out of Michigan. I thought he had a solid game. He had one pass deflection, and DJ Turner is very fast. Dude ran like a 4.2-something in the 40 in the NFL combine in February. He's really good, and I think he's he's definitely going to be an impact player on the defense, giving Cheeto time to rest because Cheeto still, even though he's back on the field, you know, I think that they want him to, like, not limit his reps, but give him more rest. So that's why I believe the Bengals drafted DJ Turner because of that. Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe that's just, that's what I believe. I thought the pass rush was flying the first half. It was led by psycho Trey Henderson, my guy <laughs> to lead the NFL in sacks. He got one sack on Sunday, Tommy. I know you saw that. True. He's on his way. He's on his way to hopefully maybe 22 and a half. <laughs> and that's and- a good offensive line. Exactly, yes. I mean, Trey was everywhere. And also Sam Hubbard had a good day. We already talked about Jermaine Pratt. He was all over the field. Dax Hill getting an interception. Cheeto having a fumble recovery that was forced by Jermaine Pratt. I thought Lou and company did a really good job. The Browns offense, yes, the running game had over 200 yards against us, but Majority of those yards came in the second half, and that was against a very, very tired Bengals defense that had been on the field all game. So kudos to the defense. There's really no offensive player of the game for the Bengals. If I had to pick one, it's probably Joe Mixon, and I think that's a positive sign for the season. And then player of the game, I would have to say it's, a, it's between Jermaine Pratt and DJ Turner. I thought DJ Turner had a really good game. And that's very encouraging. And Jermaine Pratt, that man for a linebacker, man, he is so quick. He can tackle, and he talks a lot of shit, and I love it. So that's pretty much my positive from the game. Also, we escaped major injuries. So I think that was big. So Yeah, that's something I didn't even write down, but totally agree with. And I actually have a a surprising number of positives here. Um, I was trying to find a lot of silver linings as much as possible. I tried, man. <laughs> um, like you said, defensive line I thought looked really, really good. I, I, I think both of these guys somehow are very underrated. But BJ Hill and DJ Reader I think are maybe one of the best combos of interior defensive linemen in the entire league. We mm-hmm. are they're so good mm-hmm. and so disruptive, and they looked really awesome. The Browns' offensive line is, I mean, for years now has been one of the best in the entire NFL. And our defensive line was still getting through there. We sacked Deshaun three times, and he's elusive, and he can move around and run, and they have a really good offensive line, and we still got three sacks. So I think that's a win, and I think that we're going to get a lot more sacks than we did last year if it seems that we can do that against the more porous offensive lines in the NFL too. So that's a good one. Defense looked solid overall. I thought both Cam Taylor Britt and Dax both looked really comfortable in their new roles. They, I felt like they blended right in and didn't really get burned anywhere. I thought they looked really solid. So I was a, I was a big fan of both of the play, uh, both of the games that they both had. And somehow we we they were talking so much on the on the broadcast about the weather and blah blah blah. Zero turnovers. No fumbles, no picks, nothing at all. And the ugly conditions when your quarterback's getting 10 QB hits, it it's it wouldn't be that crazy with the the rain and how wet wet ball drills and all that stuff they talk about, like zero turnovers. So that's a win. Um, we'll take that and hopefully we can keep that going too. And we forced two turnovers, one fumble, one pick. Again, most of these are defensive positives. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of positives from the offensive standpoint, but forced two turnovers, which is awesome. We got those sacks I mentioned. Only allowed two plays for more than 20-plus yards. Both of them were passes. One was for 20 yards. One was for 33 yards. So no big runs that we let loose. Um, 
No huge explosive 60 yard bombs for touchdowns. No, you know, no one was getting completely burnt on the, on the sidelines and none of the corners. So only two big plays, um, which was great. And then I honestly, this is something that you and I text about all the time when we're, when we're watching Bengals or it feels like we've been texting a lot about this. I didn't, I didn't really see any missed tackles yesterday. Did you see any? Maybe one or two here or there, you know, slippery conditions. I wasn't seeing a lot of missed tackles. I think I saw probably at least two missed tackles, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, not bad, though. Like, especially for the the conditions, and normally yeah. that number is a lot higher than two for us mm -hmm. recently. So I consider that one a positive as well. And then the last positive I have is that game two, albeit against the Ravens, is at Paycor Stadium, which I think we really need to flip the script, is let people come into our home and take care of business at our house. Those are good positives, sir. All from the defensive side, because you can't really say anything positive from the Bengals' offensive <laughs> side. And I, I hope, hope that – and I really hope that this is the only game where you, you'll never – this. And I'll stand by this. You will never see Joe Burrow go under 100 yards passing ever in an NFL game. That's no. not happening again. No. No chance. And let's hope that he doesn't play against the Browns in week one to begin the season. And also, let's hope that he has a normal offseason. <laughs> True. Honestly. That's what, like, it's funny because – in my head, I was like, "Ugh, couldn't we have played our first game against the fucking Cardinals or something?" But then, honestly, we probably would have lost, and I would have been pissed. So, we would not. Right. We would not lost that game. If we would have lost that game, I would shut down this podcast for good. Uh, also, uh, I know you mentioned your player of the game when you were going through positives. I have mine as Cam Taylor Britt. I I texted you a couple times, but I felt like every time his name got called, his number got called for a. Wide receiver getting a little bit past him. Deshaun trying to make the throw. It looked like he just took a deep breath, caught back up to the guy, and made a pass play. Aaron made a play and uh, defend the pass. So He doesn't panic. No, not at all. I think he played really well. He didn't get burned. When he did get burned, he made sure that he caught himself up and mm -hmm. made a play on the ball. And, I, I mean... For a second-year guy, he looked like he had a lot of confidence back there. So oh, he would be my pick for sure. CTB by the end of the season, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a top ten cornerback in the NFL. He's solid. I like yeah. him a lot. He's Absolutely. he's a little physical. He's he's quick when he needs to be. I'm a fan. I felt like Absolutely. he did very well. And they, I mean, Amari Cooper is no scrub. So absolutely, yeah. I I really like CTB. I'm looking forward to watching him play all season. Okay, we can finally move on from the Cleveland L's. Yep. And also, before we look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, to the Bengals fans out there that are already overreacting, thinking that the season's in jeopardy and all that shit, it's like, would you guys calm down? I get it. We suck against the Browns. I hate losing to Cleveland, but I'm not losing my shit we started the season 0-2 last year. Do I want them to start 0-2 again this year? No, because that's two division losses, and that just makes the road harder to win the North for the third consecutive season. But we all need to just relax. We're not going to score three points in the NFL game ever again. If they do that again, then, I, then I'll be concerned. But it's not happening again. Joe Burrow's going to be fine. T. Higgins will have a bounce-back game. Irv Smith will be better. The whole offense will be better. And honestly, I thought the offensive line played – I think they played okay. It wasn't the best. I thought Jonah was a little bit shaky. But Orlando Brown Jr. was the highest-graded offensive lineman out of the whole team after Sunday. I was looking at Brown the whole time, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think – for the task that they were given, which is we know that the Browns have a crazy good pass rush and yeah. their defensive coordinator really knows how to draw up stuff to make our offensive line confused. 
And even with that, there were a lot of QB hits, which is not great, but Joe Burrow only got sacked twice, which honestly, how many times in the last two years has he only got sacked twice? So for, from that angle, it was pretty solid. And I mean, saying that Jonah Williams was a little shaky is like saying the sky is blue to me. <laughs> I want Jonah to have a good season because this is me too. this is pretty much going to be his last year as a Bengals. So I would love for him to be good. Uh, it just sucks that he's going against the Browns pass rush. So, and he has another challenge against the Ravens. And I'm not writing him off yet. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Giving him, I'm giving him more chances. I think he'll be a lot better throughout the year. <laughs> you did say uh, get out of the gate well, right? You did say during the game, you texted me saying, I might take back my two linemen to the Pro Bowl <laughs> prediction. <laughs> maybe maybe Orlando Brown will still get there. And then, I mean, I, I'm i honestly just really bad at evaluating like centers and guards because I don't tend to key in on those positions. So for all I know, Karras and Kappa played outstanding. <laughs> You know what? The Browns, they just have a number. And I think this Bengals team, I believe the offensive line, the offense, I think they're going to be okay. It's going to be tough against the Ravens this weekend. As we look ahead to Baltimore, they defeated the Texans in their opener 25-9. But at a cost, they lost their starting running back, J.K. Dobbins, to a torn Achilles. And he's done for the season. So brutal because Dobbins is hes a solid player. And this is the first it's the first time of his whole NFL career that he is 100% healthy. Like, he felt good about this season. And for him to tour his Achilles in the first game, that's a bummer. I really feel bad for him, and I hope he recovers. And But the running back longevity in NFL is very short, so I just hope it's not the, like the beginning of the end for him. The, uh, such a brutal blow for Baltimore. The Ravens just have... They're a good football team, but like like talked about in the podcast, it's just the injuries to them, and especially on the key players on your team. And this to happen to Dobbins, yikes. Yeah. Also in this game, they also had three starters that left the game. Safety Marcus Williams left, left tackle Ronnie Staley, and then center Tyler Linderbaum left. They all had MRIs. It's looking like Stanley and Linderbaum probably are going to play on Sunday. They might be questionable. They're going to be on that questionable list, you know. And then Marcus Williams probably not going to play. So Lamar Jackson this game, he wasn't really good. He was 17 for 22 for 169 passing yards, no touchdowns. He was sacked four times. He ran for 38 yards. That's pretty much it. The Ravens, they didn't play so well, but they got the W, and that's all that matters. And like you talked about earlier, their their linebacker core of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, uh, they they give the Bengals headaches, and they gave the Bengals headaches in that wild card game where the Bengals survived in January. And also, tight end Mark Andrews, he missed the game against the Texans due to a quad injury, but they're saying that he could play on Sunday. And Ravens got Odell, they got Rashad Bateman, they got Zay Flowers, according to Ravens fans on Twitter, a.k.a. X now. And I usually call the Ravens fans the purple people. They say they have, the, they have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. And I'm like, man, cocaine's really a hell of a drug. <laughs> I, think, I think this game is going to come down to basically the turnover battle. And the Bengals won a turnover battle in Cleveland. Unfortunately, they only scored three points. I don't think that's going to happen. The offense is going to score points. I think Joe Burrow will be better. I think this is the game where the running game needs to get going. It needs to get going. And I feel like this is a Joe Mixon game. And I'm going to say it again for the second consecutive weeks, and they probably won't, they probably won't listen to me. <laughs> but Mixon needs to carry the ball probably more than 15 times. Oh, hell. No, that's too That's too much. That's too um, short. Um more than 20 times if he gets in a good rhythm. If not, then I don't know how we're going to win this game. But I feel like the Bengals are going to win this game. Yes, I already put down a prediction. And 
I said Bengals 20, Ravens 17. It's going to come down to the battle of the field goal kickers. And you're not so high on Evan McPherson. And I was kidding. I was kidding. I don't know about that, sir. It I'm looked like you. It looked like you were half serious but half kidding. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how many extra points this dude missed last year? Okay, yes, I get it. But he made okay. The Bengals didn't score a touchdown, son. I keep forgetting about that. God damn. I know. But once the Bengals score a touchdown on Sunday, I hope he'll he's gonna make his extra points. And if not, then I'm gonna be like. Okay, Money Mac, what's going on? But I think it's going to come down between him and Justin Tucker, the best field goal kicker in the league. And I think McPherson hits the game-winning field goal with about, I don't know, 20 seconds left of the game. Bengals 20, Ravens 17. And sometimes my predictions are never right, so take it to a grain of salt. What do you got? (laughs) Yeah. I – so – Honestly, the Ravens didn't play that well in week one either. The The Texans are not that – not not too bad, but they're – I mean, they were picking so early for a reason, and I think they're a couple years away from being really good. But the Ravens' defense, which is something that I'm a little worried about, didn't allow a single touchdown throughout the entire game against the Texans, which – I'm hoping they relax a little bit. Obviously, it was C.J. Stroud's first game, rookie quarterback, not necessarily a star-studded offense, especially when they don't have Brandon Cooks anymore. But even so, didn't allow a touchdown the whole game. Same as you. I don't know it's necessarily a Joe Mixon game, but we really need to start by running the ball and just try to establish the running game. It opens up the play action, which I felt like we can't get anybody to bite on right now because no one's scared that we're going to run it. So it opens up a whole different part of the playbook that I feel like we weren't able to use at all against Cleveland. And I would just really like us to establish the run game early on, keep Lamar on the sideline, make it a little easier for our whole team. And so that would be great. One key I have is how are we going to be able to slow down their running game now that Dobbins won't be out for the year? I'm the same as you. I'm a Dobbins fan. I know he's trying to get paid too. So it's, very not good timing for him and I I like him so it's it's a bummer that he got this injury and is going to be out for the whole year but I am not scared of Gus Edwards nor of Justice Hill they're not bad players by any means and they always have a good running game in Baltimore regardless of who's back there but I'm much less intimidated by their running game without Dobbins but let's see how we can actually stop the run, knowing that we allowed 200 rushing yards to the Browns on over five yards of carry, hoping we can get those numbers way, way down for this one, especially at home too. let the crowd noise affect Baltimore and Lamar a little bit. Another key is how many times can we make Lamar uncomfortable or actually get sacks? He's pretty elusive, so it's tough to bring him down. But even so, he got sacked four times by Houston mm-hmm. and I mean, at least on paper, I'm I'm taking our D-line over Houston's every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So if they got four, I'm, I mean, we should also be able to get four. I, I'm sure that they'll make their own adjustments. And if Linderbaum, if Linderbaum is even not like 100%, having BJ Hill and DJ Reader right in front of his face, that could be, that could be a fun little matchup for us. Obviously, tempo tempo is going to be a big one once again. We know that they can usually run the ball pretty well, and we really struggled to sh- to slow down Nick Chubb and the committee that the Browns used. So hoping that we can make sure that we get control of the tempo this time and that if we do get a little bit behind for whatever reason, that we don't panic and think that we need to run a two-minute drill for the last 45 minutes of the game like we felt like we needed to do for some reason against Cleveland. Um, Lamar only had 207 total yards. He had 169 passing, 38 rushing. And once again, on paper, I would say that our defense top to bottom is better than Houston's. And so if they could keep him down like that, you know, it's the opening week. You can blame it on chemistry, whatever. I am looking for our team to do better than that and keep him. I'm sure he'll have more yards than that just because, 
I mean, keeping Lamar to under 200 total yards is just kind of ridiculous to assume that we're going to do. So I won't assume. Maybe he'll have more yards, but I think that we'll have a better day against him. Fun to watch could be CTB or whoever's guarding Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, I knew coming into this year, was going to be really solid. A lot of, you know, Mel Kuypers and and uh, what's his face? Todd McShay's of the world were saying that he could end up being the best wide receiver from this whole class. He looked really solid in week one. Didn't look phased by the moment of showing up in his first game. So could be interesting whoever's guarding him, but I like our corners and think that whoever's matched up against him is not going to have a too tough of a day. The scary part that I'm a little worried about, as I mentioned earlier, and you just briefly touched on as well, is Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are a brutal set of linebackers. In week one combined, they combined for 27 total tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and two QB hits. So yes. they were all over the place. And other than Laramie Tunsil, I don't think Houston's necessarily known for their offensive line. But even so, I mean, those are those are linebackers getting two sacks, three tackles for losses, and getting those QB hits. So they were all over the place. I imagine they're going to do the same to us and make it difficult for us to run the ball. But I still want us to try to establish that and to try to get um, past and try to try to block them as much as possible so that they're not having their way with our entire offensive line. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a last minute change because I even have this written differently. Oh, well, why is that? I, when we were going through the season, I had us losing this game, right? Yeah, I'd say, fuck that shit. We're going to win. So I'm wow. changing it. Wow. I think he'll have a bounce back. I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll have a solid game. I don't think he's going to throw for 400 yards or anything like that, but I think he'll have somewhere in the realm of 250 or so, probably two touchdowns, hopefully no turnovers again. But I think that he's going to get juiced up by the home crowd. He's going to have a lot of fun in front of the fans. He knows that we need to be Baltimore so we don't go down to 0-2 and 0-2 in the division. My original prediction was Ravens 27, Bengals 24. I'm flipping it. I'm saying we're having a fun day offensively. Ravens 27, Bengals 31. 31 points. Wow. Wow. You're picking against your Super Bowl team? I hate look, I hate being you know I hate being optimistic about about my Bengals, but fuck it. <laughs> I'm changing my ways. I say we're winning. 31 points. Damn. I just don't see 31 points just because it's the Bengals and Ravens. It's an AFC North rivalry game. Both teams know each other. I just feel like it's just going to be your typical low 20s type of physical type of football game. But they can score 31 points. Oof. I'll take that. We'll I will take we'll that. We'll see. I think it's very, like you said, all great key points, my man. I think it's very important the Bengals be the physical team. They weren't the physical team in Cleveland. They didn't even establish that. If they can just establish being the physical team off the get-go, then I like the Bengals in this game. Obviously, I'm picking against them because I feel like they're going to play a better game like they did in, in Cleveland. They know the Ravens. They know how these type of games are going to be. I just think that the Bengals are going to be playing angry because of their performance in Cleveland. And I think the offense is going to respond. I expect a better game by T Higgins. He's not going to have zero <laughs> catches anymore in an NFL football game. That's not happening again. Yeah. I can't get worse than zero yards. So seriously, zero yards, zero catches, eight targets. That's not happening. I think T Higgins is actually going to score a touchdown this game. Yeah. That's my prediction. Am I going to bet that on DraftKings? Maybe. He could be my anytime touchdown scorer. I got to stop betting. Maybe I do have a gambling addiction. Anyways, that's a that's a uh, intervention for later. But anyways, um, <laughs> I think that the Bengals do bounce back. It's going to be very tough to contain Roquan Smith and Patrick, King, Patrick Queen. But – and also, don't forget about Kyle Hamilton, the safety. He's really good, too, yes, in the is. second year. Yeah, oh, that Ravens team, they just know how to draft players. I hate that. I really do, but they're really good at drafting players. But like you said, if they can if they can rattle Lamar, and the Bengals know, and Lou Anna Rumor in their defense, they have done a good job on 
you know, giving Lamar Jackson some fits. So if they can just have that game plan and mix in a little bit more of that, then I think they're going to be okay. I think the loss of J.K. Dobbins is J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens is going to hurt them in this game. I really do believe so because in that wildcard game, Dobbins had a really good game on the ground, and that's how the Ravens got up to that lead in that game because they kept running the football and Dobbins just kept getting better and better throughout the game. Not having him for this game, I think it's going to hurt them. And that's why I'm picking Cincinnati in this game. And also, if you're a Bengals fan, listen to this podcast. And if you're on your way down to Paycor Stadium, because this podcast obviously will be out by then. But if you're going down to the stadium, please, please cheer your ass off. You need to be loud. The Browns fans were loud as hell for their Browns team and their home opener. You need to be loud for this Bengals team, okay? So if you're going down there on Sunday, if you're going down there right now, Okay, you might be you probably listen to this podcast on your way down to the stadium. Probably not, but I'm just saying, just be loud. That's all I want you guys to be. We need a home field advantage all nine home games, and it starts on Sunday against our division rival. A big game because we can't fall to 0 2. Because if we fall to 0 2, then I'm not going to panic, but I am going to be really pissed off in another instant reaction podcast for the second straight season that I had to do an instant reaction podcast where my team fall to 0 2. I'm not doing that shit again. So let's go. All right. I had to let that out. (laughs) Deep breaths. I'm good. I'm good, dog. I'm good. It's like 1030 at night as we record this podcast on a Tuesday. We good. We good. I'm fired up, man. I'm ready for the game on Sunday. You have anything to add before we we close this? (laughs) No. I mean, this was a weird – this was a weird week one. Oh, I mean, yeah. 13 yeah. QBs that went under 200 yards, which That's is crazy. It's like in this in this pass heavy league that we're in now, it's crazy that almost half the league couldn't even get to 200 yards. Yeah, uh, big names, too. Um, just some other random things like the 49ers and Cowboys. It seems like they're only going to need 10 points to win every game or only need to score 10 points, which is just <laughs> insane. Um, also, since I'm live from Chicago here, I just feel so bad for Justin Fields. I'll say it. Like, I know a bunch of people are starting to blame him. Oh, I don't think it's God. his fault at all. I think their team is a dumpster fire. It seems like he's going to have to go to a new team to get the help that he truly deserves. And Chase Claypool may be the laziest fucking NFL player I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. I don't know if you've seen all these videos, but this dude takes off like every other play. His blocking's lazy. He barely runs routes anymore. Ever since he got, you know, taken up from Pittsburgh, maybe Pittsburgh knew something that uh, about this beforehand, but I don't know. That's ridiculous. Man, do I have to change my NFC North Division title prediction now? Because the Bears look like, you know what? And I, Jordan Love really looked good, man. I he did. This year on Sunday in Chicago, but goddamn Bears, what was that? I, it's bad. Yikes. Very bad. I, oh, my God. I, don't give up on them yet. There's, I mean, it's at, they, they, they made a lot of changes. They're switching their offense around a little bit, and Justin Fields, I believe, is very, very talented, and now he has DJ Moore. He only got DJ Moore, I think, three catches, maybe even three targets. I don't remember, but yeah. it – I think I, – I would take more away from that game that the Packers are maybe more legit than we thought. Yeah, and like you but said – yeah, like you said – yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said during the during the game, you texted me saying the Packers do have a good defense, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. They do have a really solid unit. Um, Let's see. What else happened in week one? Oh, God. The New York Giants, the fact that Daniel Jones was still in the game in the fourth quarter when the team was losing (laughs) by 40, I don't understand that. Are you? They're just trying to score points so they can feel good, like, oh, finally we scored. Oh, my God, we scored a touchdown. Oh, we got a field goal. Like, are you trying to get your, quote, unquote, your franchise quarterback hurt? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why they did that either. I don't even understand why Dak was in there at the end, yeah, like yeah. just to hand the ball off so they weren't really throwing anyway. But oh. I was like, literally, what's the point? All that, like, only bad things can come from this. And also, 
I've never I never played football, so this is all just like speculation. But I I'll be honest, I can't imagine if like if if you ended the game and you lost forty to three instead of forty to zero, does that make you feel any fucking better? I can't imagine that it does. No, no, honestly, so <laughs> honestly, I would just like quit. I would have just forfeit. Like it's like fuck this. Just give us the loss. We're already losing anyways. Merciful. Yeah, mercy rule. Yeah, seriously. Oh my goodness. And then shout out to the Detroit Lions beating Kansas City in their ring night. True. Shout out. I think the Lions are legit, and they they can they can definitely win that NFC North for sure. And I know people are saying, "Well, Travis Kelsey did not play, and Chris Jones was still in this holdout." I don't give a shit. You still beat the defending Super Bowl champs in their place. That's a very good win. I don't know why there's some people are discrediting that Lions win. You guys are stupid. And then, man, your fourth snap as a new quarterback for the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, tears his whole Achilles. Oh, my goodness. That really sucks. Cause yeah. It's starting to, I don't know. I think the Jets are cursed somehow. Oh, my goodness. They are, man. A lot of expectations for this team, obviously – and to have your best player on the team tears his Achilles in the fourth snap of the game. And Zach Wilson's like, oh, shit, I'm going to come in. And definitely Jets fans are probably booing. But, hey, they beat the Bills. Crazy game. Punt return for a touchdown in overtime. Crazy. True. I don't, I know, if you, yeah. I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks either, but they – I just watched the episode today. I've, I was a little behind, so I just watched the episode today where they gave uh, Xavier Gibson, the guy that got the punt return for the touchdown, uh-huh. undrafted free agent, um, joined in, got the nod from his hard work and training camp, and then came out and did that on his first that? ever game in the NFL, which is really special. So that was really that? cool, and it just seems like another example of a time where they probably would have been really damn good this year if they had gotten Aaron Rodgers, but it their defense might be their defense and special teams and stuff might just be so good that they might just need Zach Wilson to be mediocre and they'll get into the playoffs. They I don't were, think they'll get super far though. Last yeah, last year they saw the season six and two, and then not having a good quarterback in hand really screwed them up toward the yeah. latter part of the season. I think I I do really want Zach Wilson to actually have a decent year. I really do. I kind of feel bad for dudes. He's put in a big spot right now. I hope he does good. I really do. But I think the Jets are going to be shopping for some quarterbacks. And people are like, <laughs> I hear people say, hey, give Tom Brady a call. Dude, I, I, I've heard the dumbest fucking opinions I've ever heard in my life about who they should sign. I the uh the list that they had there were more names than this Carson Wentz Philip Rivers <laughs> Phillip they were talking about Joe Flacco I was like are you kidding me wait, I would Joe- rather play Wildcat with Brees Hall than Joe Flacco wait a minute Joe Flacco was on the team last year he started for them last year yeah and he sucked I know he did I know he did I don't know he played against <laughs> oh my god so I don't know the the list of people they were saying to reach out to, honestly, and I mean, I might be slightly biased because I watched Hard Knocks and was rooting for him, but Zach Wilson looks like he has a new spark. He looks like he's having a lot more fun with the game again. He looks more confident. He got to, I mean, it wasn't like a full season's worth or anything, but he still got to go through training camp, getting a bunch of advice and getting to watch Aaron Rodgers do his thing. And so he might be, and again, I don't think he needs to be insanely talented and really good this season for them to make it to the playoffs. I mean, they won last night, not really because of Zach Wilson at all, but because of their their defense, their special teams, but they forced four turnovers on Josh Allen, which is crazy. I mean, Josh Allen is kind of has a lot of turnovers, but regardless. And even if he has like a, one and a half touchdown to interception ratio, which is not very good. That would be way better than he currently has in his career. And I think he's thrown four or five more picks than touchdowns through his career. So even if he just has like five touchdowns more than picks, if he goes like 
I mean, these are just random numbers I'm making up, but if he throws like 20 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, I still think they'd win probably 10 games. <laughs> probably. Because of how good their defense is. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for him. I'll be honest. Like, me too. I think it'd be kind of fun if he if he played well this year. Yeah. And also, too. I mean, could you – I mean, this is all like – again, this is all speculation, and I won't harp on this point too much. Can you imagine in the 2021 or – twenty? I think – I forget which draft this was. Could you imagine if instead of Trey Lance, the 49ers drafted Justin Fields? Man. I mean – I think – I think they win a Super Bowl, man. That'd be insane. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Man. Maybe Brock Purdy seems to be better and more legit than I believe him to be, knowing as my hot take, I have Sam Darnold starting their playoff games, but um <laughs> it's hard to tell like how insanely good he is versus just the scheme, but um weird week one for sure. Yeah, Purdy had a good game against the Steelers. I think a lot of people, including myself, thought the Steelers were going to win that game. Wrong. Yeah, I did not <laughs> buy into that hype. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did. I, I think maybe. So good. I yeah, I think maybe because we all. I think we thought that. Oh man, Steelers can it pick a second season? That might. They're, they're obviously probably going to be better. I think the Niners are obviously just a little bit more better than the Steelers. Obviously. <laughs> all right, man. I think that's it. Bengals fans, relax. Okay, everything's gonna be okay. Sunday, one o'clock on CBS. Yo, guess who's on the call for the Bengals and Ravens game on Sunday? Greg Olson. I don't know. No, no, that's Fox. So oh, yeah. it's gonna be the lead announcer, Tiki Barber and Matt Ryan. Oh, that's a fun combo. I like Tiki Barber. Matt Ryan. I mean, I'm fine with, but uh, uh, Tony uh, Romo. I mean, yeah, here's what I don't get. Apparently fans are saying this is this is like the C minus broadcasting team. And people and people are and people are wondering why is a rematch of the AFC wildcard game and against two top teams in the AFC gets the C minus broadcasting crew of NFL on CBS. I'm like, I don't know. I don't get it either. But yeah. I rather not I rather have them than you know, Tony Romo just, you know, sucking off to Lamar Jackson. <laughs> funny. Yeah, me too. Oh, my goodness. All right, man. It's a pleasure. Same time next week. We'll recap. Hopefully a winning recap of the Bengals over the Ravens. Yes, sir. Lock it All in. All right, man. Sounds good. And you guys take care. I'll be back on Sunday. Instant Reaction Podcast after the Bengals and Ravens game. And hopefully it's a winning instant reaction podcast. I'm Jesse. That's Tommy. And we are out.